Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I interview Josiah Madal. Josiah Madal is an endurance racer, mostly in Xterra, but he's done other feats as well. He was on the Eco Challenge show, which you can watch on Amazon Prime, and if you haven't watched that already, you need to, because it was a great show. Um, he placed in the top 10 at this past weekend's uh, race at Jacksonville in the National Series. He hasn't ran a Spartan race since 2011. So that was a pretty awesome feat to come into this field at where it's at, to be unexperienced with the obstacles and to do that great. And uh, he's an awesome guy and it was an awesome interview and I was glad to do it. Uh, I hope he sticks with it because I really think he's going to be a threat and we'll see a lot more top 10 finishes out of this dude. But anyway, I got a new review and... It says, terrific podcast. Everybody loves Scott. He does a fantastic job and always has a good time doing it. If you enjoy the sport of OCR, you will love this podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. Thanks for everything you do. Take care, buddy. And that was from Kenny B. West. Oh, I know Kenny West. Uh, Kenny West is a cool guy, and I think he was uh, racing an age group in Jacksonville over the weekend. Appreciate that, Kenny. Uh, if you also want to leave a review, that'd be great. Go on to the Apple Podcasts uh, app and uh, leave a review, and I'll read it on the next episode. Anyway, here goes the interview with Josiah Madal. Josiah Madal, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me. So, man, you busted onto the scene this weekend and run the National Series race in Jacksonville, and uh, you had a pretty good breakout race for not being at a Spartan race. I think, what didn't you do one in like 2010 or 2011, something like that? Yeah, I think it was 2011 was the, the first Spartan World Championship, and that was, my, that was my only other race. Right. So it's been a while. Well, man, you killed it for not being in the scene for a long time. But before we get into all that, man, I just want to know a little bit about Josiah and, like, how did he become to be this great endurance athlete? And, you know, I saw on your Instagram page you've got all these, you know, champion wins, like, you know, your Xterra champion in the USA for, like, 14 times. You're the world champion in 2015. And national snowshoe champion six times. I mean, you've just got a whole resume of just endurance champion feats that you've done. Yeah, well, I guess I, I would say yeah, I've always considered myself a, a late bloomer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I ran cross country and track in college, uh, but without very much success. Um, and you know, just kept pursuing endurance sports. Found myself. In triathlon, I just kind of found that if I combined, the more sports I combined, the better off I, I generally was. Right. Um, and, and I'd moved to Colorado and was training in the mountains. And Xterra was a really good fit for me um, to, you know, not do the standard triathlon, but do things with, with trail running, mountain biking. And that was the, the niche that I, I found myself in. And I just kept, you know, plugging away and really focusing in on that sport um, for most of the last 20 years. Um, and, you know, now I'm just, you know, trying to see what I can do with this, this fitness. And I've always been uh, pretty intrigued by the obstacle course racing. And, you know, I, I like the, the idea, uh, that you need a, you know, a, a big uh, component of endurance, but there's also that, that strength, agility, uh, and strategy component to it as well. So did you just kind of like naturally find this long endurance that you were good at, or was it something that you just had to train really hard before you, you know, achieved greatness? <laughs> uh, little of both, you know, no instant success for sure. But, you know, like a lot of endurance athletes, you know, a little, 
little too slow, you know, a little too weak to, to really excel in, in the traditional sports. And so, you know, even though I, I played a lot of those, you know, played basketball, played baseball, um, did some of those traditional sports, I, I, I found that, you know, the harder I worked at the endurance stuff, the better I got. And so I saw the potential there to, you know, the, the more I put into it, the more I got out of it. And, you know, just kind of kept with that mantra all the way through. And it didn't, didn't have any, you know, big dreams of getting on the, the world stage with anything, just, you know, trying to get a little bit better than I was yesterday, you know, and just kept seeing, seeing results and seeing improvement. So, so when did you start this? Like in, immediately after college or during college? Yeah. So immediately out of college, I had, you know, pretty good run fitness, you know, didn't, I had a, a knee surgery in college, you know, never wow. really found my niche there, but I moved to Vail, Colorado, right out of college, you know, got, got married, moved to Vail, all, all, uh, you know, in the course of a week and just started picking up some sports here, just getting into the active lifestyle. And I, I kind of had in the back of my head that I always wanted to get into triathlon um, just because I was interested in it. Not that I wanted to be a professional or anything. And, right. You know, kind of sucked at it, you know, at first. <laughs> you know, I had panic attack in the water. And, you know, every <laughs> every kind of failure I had, I just kind of saw as like, wow, like, you know, that's where I am right now. But I think I could get a whole lot better at this. And, you know, sure enough, the next year just made, you know, huge strides. And then I was like, oh, maybe I could, you know, I'm not too far off that elite level with the sport. And, you know, just kept working on it and got to that elite level in a, a pretty short amount of time. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I could, you know, place at the world championship and <laughs> maybe I could be the top American. And then just kind of evolved from there. Hmm. That's pretty cool. And it's like you've got your own coaching that you do too now, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's something I've I've done all along. I've I've got two degrees in the field. I had a undergraduate degree was in health fitness and I got a master's degree in 2012 in um, kinesiology. So it's it's always been a, a pursuit of mine. I haven't ever had the the luxury of being, you know, what I call a a, a true professional that does, you know, trains and, and races, you know, full time. And I don't know if that really, that model necessarily exists anymore anyways. Right. Um, but I always kind of, you know, worked, I, you know, personal trained for many years and coached athletes on the side and that coaching business just kind of grew pretty organically. And, and now that's kind of my main focus is that coaching business. Right. So, so uh, tell everybody where they can find that just plug it in case you got any openings. Yeah, so it's my last name, Midaw. So it's midawcoaching.com. Yep. So my brother and I uh, run that business. We're the only two coaches, and we coach pretty much anything endurance. You know, we'll 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 take it on. <laughs> so, and and what is your philosophy behind your coaching? Is it kind of like on an eighty twenty, or is it something different? Yeah, I mean, we really all 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 that we do is individualized coaching. So. You know, I don't have, I, I mean, do have, you know, a very defined philosophy for myself, um, for elite athletes. Um, but really, we're, we got to take athletes where they're at. And, you know, really, we take into account your exercise history. Uh, my brother and I both have families, you know, we both work. And so realizing that there's a lot of components to that, um, as far as how we set that training load. And that that's what's really individual. And then, um, I mean, we do have, you know, everything's pretty scientifically based as far, you know, you mentioned the 80, 20 rule. Yeah, we do. You know, some days we're, we're holding back and we're using heart rate as a, as a big metric, you know, some days, um, we're going a little bit ha- harder and we're using kind of all the, the gadgets and whatever people have. Um, but all of those just to kind of guide us along in our training, um, and have a, have just the right stimulus to get better. And that's, that works a little bit differently for different types of athletes. You know, and, and that you made a great point there is, you know, as you said, you have family and you have, an, you know, another job on top of this coaching because a lot of these coaches out here, cause it seems like everybody and their brother is starting their own coaching business. And a, and a lot of <laughs> yeah. these people that are starting these coaches business, they don't have a family or this is their full-time job. And, and they don't know all of the other responsibilities that come and, you know, they're programming these people that have, 
you know, jobs and a family giving them two to three hour workouts and then, you know, they're cutting up short and not having the time to do them. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, 10 hours a week might be overtraining for, for one athlete and it might be a recovery week for another athlete. And really that lifestyle or not really lifestyle, but life stress um, is a huge factor. You know, how many hours a week are you working? You know, what are your family obligations? What are your sleep patterns like? You know, a lot of these elite athletes, they're, they're full-time resters also, you know, their right. recovery is, is half the game with them. And so, yeah, they can, they can pile on these, these really big epic weeks and then, you know, sleep it off. And most people don't have that luxury. Yeah. So you, you dig a hole too deep. It's really hard to get out of for most people. Yeah. So, I mean, and you said you teach just any kind of endurance, whether it's running and you do endurance training for triathletes and everything, right? Yeah. And I've really, I've always had this multi-sport background. Right. And so I've always considered myself, you know, kind of an athlete of all, all seasons and, you know, just seeing, seeing where people are at, seeing what their goals are. I mean, I've, I, I like to say that I have, you know, I have experience in a lot of areas, but there's athletes that are doing stuff that, that I wouldn't touch, you know, I mean, you know, some of the, the ultra endurance stuff that I, I shy away from and I, it, it motivates me to see athletes set these big goals and, and do some things that are kind of out of my wheelhouse as well. Right. So are you still, are you still training for Xterra? Or are you, are you still competing in Xterra? I am. Yep. And so, you know, I mean, with the, with the pandemic, everything shut down. Right. And Xterra um, shut down everything right away. Um, and so it hasn't, uh, I, they actually just had a, a first kind of a small race in Texas. And so that was good to see them coming back online. Um, but I have not raced in Xterra since 2019. But looking forward to do doing a handful of races it's not going to be you know the big full schedule that i'm used to i'm not going to be traveling internationally um but i'm hoping to put together you know maybe four exterior races this season right so are you doing like the exterior races that you do are they usually like what's the distance i mean i'm sure there's different distances but are like sprint distance or the half distance yeah so the standard distance for exterior is a lot like olympic distance triathlon so um it's a a mile swim, 1500 meter swim. And then the mountain bike, um, it's shorter than Olympic distance, but it takes longer time. So it's usually 30 kilometers. So about 18 miles. Some courses have really big elevation gain. And then the run is a 10 K trail run again, usually with a lot of elevation gain. So the races that I'm that's that I've really trained specifically for the last several years is somewhere around a two and a half to three hour race. How many hours do you train a week to prepare for races like that? Um, big weeks for me are usually around 20 hours. I don't wow. usually have, have time to go a lot over that. Um, and I'm usually in that that 15 to 20 hour range. Right. Um, and then, you know, some, some weeks this week will we'll end up being a little bit lighter. I had some travel in there, had a day off, which is pretty rare. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you weigh your training? The big thing with, with myself and, and the athletes I coach is, is trying to have a lot of undulation to the training. You know, we're, we're doing these training blocks um, that are typically two, three, maybe four weeks long, and yeah. then we're backing off and letting some of those adaptations set in. Instead of, you know, a lot of athletes get really into this this rut of just kind of doing the most with their time available, which mm-hmm. is which is great, but ends up with a lot of, staleness a lot of burnout so making sure we're getting that recovery in there also the thing to me that is is crazy about training to be a triathlete and i've never done it but is just deciding where to spend your time at the most whether it be the biking part the swimming part or the running part or is it one of those things where you attack the weakest link first yeah i mean it's that's what's really hard is is trying to keep you know the big picture in mind and okay uh, you know, where is the biggest potential for improvement in my sport? You also got to break it down with, with how much time is spent in the races. So, right. you know, the bike in Xterra is 60, 65% of the race. And so the bike is where you really want to capitalize and the swim, 
you know, it's the shortest event, but you can still lose the race there. So yeah, that's, what's tough. You're like, okay, if I, you know, pour all my resources in the swim, you know, could I get 90 seconds faster? But then on the bike, Oh, maybe I could get 10 minutes faster. Right. So that's definitely something you have to take into account. So there's not a lot of guys out there probably aren't side stroking the swim like I would. (laughs) Well, you know what? (laughs) A lot of people come to the sport of Xterra without a swim background. And I would say that's a, a majority of the age group athletes. Right. They doing it they just to say in. they did one. Yeah, they they're mountain bikers, they're trail runners, or they're somebody that, you know, maybe they had an injury, maybe they're using some other sports as as rehab and you know, a lot of times they don't have that swim background. Right. So these mountain bike courses, are they usually, you know, just like I mean, I know you said they're steep hills and a lot of elevation, but is it technical mountain biking trails? Um, I would say most of them are moderately technical and it was pretty funny to say that, you know, at that, that Spartan games that I did last fall, we kind of went round and round about what's technical and what's not. Right. And, uh, I remember that. Yeah. So, so compared to those, the trails we did in Vermont, um, they're less technical than that. <laughs> and we were told that was non-technical. So I don't know. You know, it really depends on where you come from. And I, this Beaver Creek, I live right near Beaver Creek, Colorado, and we have the mountain championship. And it's known as one of the least technical courses. But if you have somebody who's never been on a mountain bike, it's probably technical. You know, it, it's, it's technical. Just, you know, you do anything with speed going right. around a corner, even if there's not a lot of, you know, rocks and roots, everything's loose and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate it. So there's potential, you know, for catastrophe no matter what kind of course you're on and since you brought it up i mean coming back to the spartan games from what i've read and and watched on there they pretty much invited you up there and you didn't have a really good idea what was going to take place it was just going to be a four-day event right exactly yeah i mean it was a lot of people that were you know really itching to race and do just about anything and you know we had i think the the most heads up anybody had was you know maybe four weeks i had about 10 days notice before the race right. and so there wasn't time to you know do any real specific training for it so you kind of just showed up with whatever fitness you had and then they just threw everything at us right <laughs> so it was pretty wild <clears throat> so were you pretty wrecked after those four days Oh, very. Yeah. I mean, after, after the first event on the first day, I was pretty wrecked. The very first event we did Spartan cross. And I think we had like 57 obstacles or something and less than a 5k. So it was, you know, we did, so there's nine obstacles and we did six laps. So 54 obstacles, Wow. um, plus the, the bucket brigade, I think. So we, and I, I was just beat up. I, I swore that I had broken just about every rib in, the, in that first race, just flopping over that eight foot wall so many right. times. Uh, and I was just, you know, could hardly breathe, just in pain the whole rest of the way. So, at, here's my question. And after the Spartan Games ended, and and you you finished it, you figured out what this whole event was like. And let's say they do another one for 2021, 2022, or whatever. Knowing what you went through that one time, would you do it again? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Um, it's, I would describe it as, you know, they were at the extreme ends of like the, the strength endurance continuum. I mean, we did the endurance stuff was excessively long and the strength stuff was really intense, really hard. Um, so I I would love the the chance to do it again, just because I I think everybody, just about everybody, they really sucked at certain things. And so to be able to go back and just be a little bit more well-rounded of an athlete, I think would be, would be fun to have kind of a do over with that. So kind of knowing what to train for a little better than when you go back. Yeah, exactly. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of camaraderie uh, amongst the athletes. You know, it's people from different sports. And so, you know, the 
the endurance guys are telling the, you know, the, the CrossFit guys, you know, how to fuel for a six hour trail run. And then, you know, we're getting technique advice from, from some of the, the strength and power guys on, you know, how to do, you know, 225 pound deadlift, you know, or how to lift best way to lift up a Atlas stone, you know? So it was a lot of fun. I know that uh, Ryan Atkins had made a comment, and I forget exactly what he said, but he said that when he arrived, he saw that you were there, and he's like, and you could tell, I want to say he he was a little intimidated knowing you were there because he knows about your endurance background too, and and that made me think this is going to be a pretty good show if Ryan Atkins thinks that there's somebody there that's a threat, you know, because in the OCR world, you know, Ryan Atkins is pretty much tops, you know, to most people that follow the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, he, I mean, he's the epitome of a a well-rounded athlete and it was, it was impressive to see. Um, And I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know for sure how, you know, obstacle course racing has evolved in the last 10 years. And it was cool to see, you know, just the caliber of athlete and, and to see that, you know, this guy, you know, I'd seen some of the, the Spartan highlights and some of the shows, you know, my kid, kids would watch some of the, the stuff on, on TV. And like, I don't really know for sure how fast these guys are, how fit these guys are and, and to see them in action and like, wow, they, they really do have, have it kind of figured out as far as, I mean, they can run uphill fast. They run downhill fast. They can, you know, carry heavy stuff and, um, that it's, they've really become really good all around athletes. It was cool watching you and him battle on the events where they were endurance events. It was really neat watching y'all compete, you know, and it says a lot, you know, you hanging with them and you're being, cause you're what? 42, right? Yeah. 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 I'm 41. So, I mean, it was just cool watching <laughs> you, you know, keep up with this young buck that's, you know, you know, just an endurance freak in his own world of OCR, you know, it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, I, I was looking for a weakness, but I, I, I can't say that I've really found one yet. <laughs> I'll let you know if I do. But, um, so after the Spartan games and you went there, is that kind of what made you decide, Hey, I'm going to go down here to Jacksonville and, and, and try to do a normal race? Yeah. And I, and I knew from doing that race, you know, a decade ago that I knew that, a a Spartan race, um, you know, is a, a little bit, a lot more endurance than like that Spartan cross. And I knew that, you know, with some more running between obstacles, um, you know, for one, I wouldn't be failing as many obstacles, um, but also just, I'd have a better shot at, at hanging with, you know, some of the elite guys. And I, I just, I, I was motivated after doing that Spartan games to just for myself to, you know, I'm in my forties now. And, you know, I think I've got all this, you know, this speed, strength and agility that I think I used to have. And <laughs> I'm not sure where it went, but I was like, I want to get back, back to that. You know, <laughs> like I want to be able to carry heavy stuff and, you know, get through, breeze through some of those obstacles. And I, I, I know I'm not there yet, um, but I, I'd like to get there for sure. Well, I think you shocked the field pretty pretty good with your performance there this past weekend. Uh, to you, uh, like, since you ran a race in 2011 or 2010 when you ran it, what was the difference between the race you ran this past weekend and the race you ran back then? Like, what was, like, some of the major changes that, you know, you saw? Um, well, a couple of things that I would say the depth of the elite field is totally different now. Um, when I did that race 10 years ago, I mean, Hobie call was, you know, basically he was a, one of, not the only guy, yeah, but one of the be. only guys who, you know, had this resume of being this incredible endurance athlete and also had the strength. And so there wasn't anybody that could run with him at that time. And now I would say that, the caliber, like the endurance caliber of all these athletes, um, you know, instead of there being two or three guys like that, there's, you know, 15 guys, you know, that can, that can run that fast. Um, and so I think the, the caliber of the athletes have come up and then 
the obstacles have progressed. I think there's, and I have, and I, you know, I saw, you know, what was on that sprint course in, in Jacksonville and I saw what was on the Spartan cross at the Spartan games, but I know there's, there's other obstacles out there I haven't seen yet. And I, I think that obstacles have gotten harder. Um, they become more dense. I think there's more obstacles on a lot of the courses or more challenging obstacles, more obstacles to fail. Um, and so there's both components, you know, you got athletes that are a lot better and you got courses that are harder. Right. So, so I can't just come in and, you know, in, in 2011, I just can't kind of, I showed up how I was and I was like, oh, I haven't done any of these obstacles, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. Right. And I, you know, I was fine on most, most things, but now you can't just show up or you'll be falling off five or six obstacles. Yeah. Well, I mean, you still did an awesome job. Uh, so in 2011, you, you, you ran that, that one race and, uh, it's like you said, you haven't run another one until now. Uh, what made that decision? I mean, was it just, it wasn't your main focus and you didn't want to take a chance of getting hurt on some dumb mud run, you know, to mess up your training for Xterra? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of decided, um, you know, I had to go all in for Xterra and, you know, with that ultimate goal of winning that world championship. Right. And I wanted to stay on top of that sport as long as I could. Um, and I still want to have uh, a really good year here on the Xterra circuit, but I also want to explore, you know, some other things. And I've always had Spartan races in the back of my mind. I've always kind of watched from afar, you know, how the, the sport has progressed and, you know, what some of those top athletes uh, are doing and, I always thought I'd come back to it sooner. And finally, I just mainly I had the opportunity to do it um, with, you know, with the pandemic and coming back from that. And um, I was actually planning on doing a couple races in 2019. I just decided I wasn't going to do a lot of international travel. Right. Um, I thought there was a chance to do a couple races and just kind of see if uh, maybe a, if it is a sport I could, you know, kind of move that Xterra fitness over into to something else and just kind of see how I could do. Right. I'm always kind of exploring different things. And yeah, I, I've been doing Xterra for a very long time and, and endurance sports for a long time. And I'm always curious about what else is out there and what else my skill set might be good at. Yeah. And you speaking of that, I saw that you on your, your Instagram page, you have a two times a uh, fat bike world champion. Is that what, that one of those things where you, tried to see if you'd be good at that and i i see it worked out <laughs> yeah. too yeah actually three times now because we just i just uh won the, the world champs just uh last month well and i guess it was in january oh wow in, awesome. Wy in wyoming so yeah and that's a, a very uh kind of grassroots kind of niche um sport but it, it usually attracts some some really good mountain bikers maybe some cyclocross guys some gravel racers and, um, and i've always tried to I know that to be the best in the world and in Xterra, I have to be able to basically bike with the top mountain bikers in the country and be able to run with the best trail runners. And so it's, it's always been kind of a goal of mine to, to mix it up with some of the single sport athletes. So, so what's the difference between like a fat bike and a mountain bike? Is it just the, is that the bikes that have just the bigger tires, right? Yeah, exactly. It's really just, it's a, a bike that's capable of riding on the snow and they have a minimum tire width. I think it's, I don't know, 3.8 inches or something like that. You have to have, so most, most fat bikes have a four to five inch wide tire. Right. And so they're kind of tanks, but they're, if you rode it on the pavement, you're like, oh my gosh, this thing's so slow. Why would you ever ride this thing? But, um, we're riding on, um, you know, packed trails or, um, almost like Nordic center right. um, groomed trails, but you still, if you had a normal mountain bike, you'd just be spinning your wheels. It's right. kind of like r riding in, um, deep sand on the beach basically. Okay. So how long is the world champion race for that? Uh, that one, what was that? 20, this year was only like 21 miles. They're okay. usually a little bit longer, somewhere around that 30 mile range or 50 kilometer range. So it's not a standard. They just pick a race and they make it out there, huh? Yeah. And this was a race. I mean, they've, they've uh, called it the world championship for the last 
five or six years and mainly because there's nothing else out there it's kind of <laughs> it's very similar to like gravel racing it's kind of a, a grassroots sport right now but a lot of a lot of people that live in snow country are finding fat biking and there's trails all over the the midwest and the the northeast and in the rocky mountains where people are are using that to stay fit in the winter and a way to get off the trainer get outside right so josiah i want you to tell me like when you came to jacksonville this saturday or yeah well you probably got there saturday what was your strategy going into this race you not running one of these races in such a long time was it just kind of hold on to the front of the pack or were you just going out guns blazing tell us how the race went you know (laughs) well so i knew the race was going to start out really hard um and that's just the nature of of the sport i think there's a lot of guys that you know go way way above their own ability you know and not realizing that you know there's so much endurance involved and uh I knew it was going to go hard, and I, but I wanted to get to the front as soon as I could and just use my strengths as best I could. And, and really, honestly, I, I tried to go in without expectation, uh, but I wanted to see the front of the race and really knowing that, you know, there's a very good chance I was going to miss, you know, a couple obstacles that was going to completely take me out of the race. Right. <laughs> so, and, and I looked at the results last year. I was like, okay, if I miss a spear throw, you know, I go from you know, fifth to 15th or maybe to 20th, you know? And so yeah. I knew that anything could happen. And I, I don't know, I, I just kind of played it, you know, let the race play out and found myself near the front early on. as like, well, I, I should probably try to capitalize on every place that I can, knowing that I'm going to lose time in a lot of other places. And there's just a lot, there's a lot of things that I, I didn't really know. And I still, I learned a lot, but I think there's still a lot of other things, you know, like little rules about the different obstacles, you know, what you can touch, what you can't. Yeah. Um, and those, those transitions from, from running to getting into the obstacle, I was, I was right. really bad at, you know, just kind of, I was kind of lost out there. I was, you know, sometimes I was pointing and asking, I, what, do I do this now? <laughs> you know, yeah. What's next? <laughs> and then, you know, somebody'd fly by me. Yes, I saw that you pretty much owned the race until it pretty much got into like maybe the first the first obstacles and it's and it's like you said on a good day, you know, a lot of times if 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 it's a volunteer, they might assume that the elites already know all the rules. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, they're not going to say do this and do that, don't do this, you know, but I mean, a good volunteer will but they probably are assuming that all the elites already know all these rules. And that was unfortunate that that happened. And uh, I even remember seeing in the video when you were running up to the spear throw, it looked like you were, I think you were already behind VJ at that point, And it looked like you were talking to somebody where you, what, what were you saying? <laughs> I was probably saying, do I do, do I do this now? <laughs> what do I do? You know, and I, you know, I pull the rope, I'm pulling the, the spear back to me and I, you know, I realized I, I'd watched one of the video tutorials and I had all the rope on the, on my side of the, the little barrier. And right. I looked over at the other guys like, Oh wait, I need the rope on the other side. So it yeah. doesn't snag my, you know, my foot or something. And, you know, just all those little things I just don't know yet. I was, you know, I was up late watching YouTube tutorials on how to do stuff. But you hit your <laughs> you know, spear though, right? Tutorials are, are like on how to get it, get through it the safest. And then seeing like, oh, like these elite guys do it a little bit different. You know, they they run halfway up the slip wall or, you know, they right. they have a lot of different strategies getting through stuff. So, but you hit your spear, right? I did. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I was watching, because they had the camera, but they as soon as VJ hit his spear, they just started following him. And I, I was like, oh, I wanted to see if anybody missed it. You know, I was want somebody hang out there so we could see their spear throws thrown. But it, it made me think I saw you talking and it looked like I thought that you were thinking that aren't we supposed to do this now? Because you, you probably thought that VJ, it looked like they were running all the way to the end to the very last spear. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I noticed they were doing that a lot running to the last station or the last obstacle. And I don't, I still don't know if that's, you know, just strategy or if they're trying to get, you know, cleaner obstacles, things with less mud on them or, or what. I don't know. So 
on the spear throw, and this is something that's it's in the rules, because there's a rule book, and if you ever need to see the official rule book, it's kind of hard to find on the Spartan website. But if you type in Spartan Zen Desk, Z-E-N Desk, mm-hmm. that you can find, like, all the rules and, like, the updated you know, all the things, like if there's promotions going on, all the general information, the ins and outs of Spartan, you can find it there. So yeah. here's the thing. So the reason why they run to that last spear is because, let's say, and this was a lot bigger deal when they were hay bales and not this new kind of styrofoam targets. So when, yeah. when you throw that spear, if you get out of that, let's say you throw your spear, it sticks in the target. Well, if you get out of that spear corral and it falls ah, out, okay. you are safe. So ah, that makes sense. If, okay. <laughs> if, if you threw that first spear and let's say you you took off and you got halfway across the spear corral and it fell out, it would have been counted as a fail. <laughs> so well, see, there you go. Just learned a new thing. <laughs> so and and that's the and that's why they go to the last spear or some people will throw, uh-huh. throw the spear the day before and they'll find, well, I really like this spear. It's got a, I know it's got a long enough rope. So, so they will go okay. to that spear too. But, <laughs> that's funny. I, and I heard this on another podcast and I forget which podcast it was, but, um, the reason why they'll always run to the last Atlas ball or the last tire is because, you're already in your race pace, so it's better to run all the way to the last one and mm-hmm. do a heavy lift with your legs because you're that much further down the course. It's not a lot, but you know, it's just less broken running, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I think all that stuff makes a difference. Yeah, because I did notice like BJ would, you know, in the middle of the race, I would beat him to the obstacle. And then we'd leave together, you know, and that happened like three or four times. Yeah. It's like, what? Like what happened? To, you know, I just had three or four seconds <laughs> and it's gone. Yeah. And I think he was, you know, a little more proficient at most of those obstacles too. But, but I think, yeah, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I mean, I'm not as nearly as competitive as, as the elite field is, but I've, I mean, I've always used that that trick myself too but i mean of course when you come to the tires the tires is a different story because it, it, it the best thing to do when you get the tires is try to run by them and eye every single one of them and just see if there's one that you can get your fingers on lifting the tire yeah. is not hard getting your fingers under the tire is what's hard <laughs> and you know every venue is different you know the tires yeah. have been at Jacksonville for the um, mo- most of these uh, national series races, and when they were on the other side of the field, I mean, they were in sand, and they were totally easy to flip, and they were just as wet. It depends on what kind of, you know, ground they set those tires on yeah. is what makes it hard. That was brutal. Yeah, it was on some hard-packed gravel, I think it was, and, and I couldn't... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't want to spend too much time, but I, I right. couldn't get my finger. I never got my fingers under anything. <laughs> so I tried and I was like, oh, maybe I should go try a different tire. And yeah. I ran, ran down the line and like, they're all like flat on the yep. ground. So um, later I saw, you know, guys were kicking out underneath and getting their hands under. But, yep. you know, I, I might have spent. 10 minutes trying to do that yeah and and sometimes that'll work and sometimes it's it's just quicker to go straight to the burpees you know i mean me myself i i I try to always give it at least one good try but you know when you can't get it off the ground or can't get your fingers under it and it's so wet that you can't use a pinch grip technique to kind of lift it up and get it started you know most of the times if you can you know get a good pinch grip on that tire and you lift it up the, off the ground just enough to where you can take one hand and throw one hand under it and then just let the tire fall back down on your hand. Then you can slide your other hand up under it and then lift it up and flip it. Okay. okay. But, you know, if you if they're so wet you can't get a pinch grip to lift it off the ground at all, I mean, you're just screwed, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, shoot. Well, I know, I, got, I know what i got to work on. 
And then the, the next obstacle after that was the, the Z wall, which I remember from years ago. I mean, it's like this benign obstacle that should be really easy, but I didn't know what you could touch and what you couldn't. So I was right. so paranoid that I got like partway across and I was on the corner and I didn't realize you could um, grab the vertical support. That column, yeah. Yeah, that column. And so I, you know, I'm standing there on the wall, like looking around, like, oh, shoot, what do I got to do now? And so I finally figured out how to get both feet on one peg and, you know, reach around as far as I could till I grabbed the other rung. But I was trying not to touch anything. And, you know, and uh, of course, three guys passed me right there. Yeah. So, what can you do? And because that used to be all solid, they just started doing that cutout in it like a couple of years ago. Okay. So that column used to not be there because it was just solid plywood. And uh, I want to say like maybe halfway through the first year that they had that column, that they actually changed the rule where you actually could touch that column. And okay. I want to say at some races you might still have a volunteer there that doesn't exactly know the rule. And they'll say, oh, you failed it because you touched the column. So, I mean, it's... You know, it's kind of in, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it, it, it makes a big difference if you've got a volunteer there that, you know, knows the ins and outs, you know, and, and this is always something that people will fuss about too, you know, it would be nice if we could have a good, you know, at least for the elite heat and, you know, the age group heats to have, make sure that the obstacles are being enforced and they know every detail about the obstacle so they can judge if everybody's doing it right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it it sounds like, you know, I think that certain things have got some cameras on, right? Like count your burpees and stuff like that. And so there could always be, and I, I did get a tip, um, from Rhea, who's he's, she said, like, you gotta, you run all the way through the finish line because there might be some penalties handed down right. after the fact too. <laughs> oh yeah. So, and, and especially now with them doing that staggered start. So, I mean, you don't want somebody behind you that, you know, finished behind you, but they had three more seconds in their belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And even with our, our wave, you know, with the COVID um, regulations, it's that start line's real spread out. And so they're going yeah. by chip timing. And, you know, I was probably, you know, there's six foot boxes and I was probably eight or nine spots back. That's like 50 feet. And so, you know, that could be, you know, two second difference or something. Oh yeah. It happened to me guys. And so you could be battling neck and neck and end up, you know, losing or, or winning to somebody. Yep. Yeah, that's happened to me one time. I come across the uh, finish line before the guy that was right behind me, and he was just a couple of seconds behind me. But when we started the yeah. race, he was further back in the corral than I was. So <laughs> he totally, he, he got me and uh, put me on third place in age group instead of second. But it was cool. You know, I just, I like getting, I like doing the age group thing. Just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a metal whore. So I, I want one of each. There I want go. one first place. <laughs> I want one second place. And I want one third place. As long as I get that, I'm cool. So, but here's another thing too, is a lot of those guys that ran on Sunday, they ran the super course on Saturday. So yeah. that's a strategy. If, if, it, you know, if you're, you know, wanting to take this serious and you're doing more races this year, that's also a strategy you can do. Just go out there and have a fun run, you know, learn the terrain, you know, learn how much longer you got until the finish line. And that Z-wall obstacle that you're talking about, all those walls are not created equal. Like every yeah. single one, like you go around that corner, that blind corner, some of them, the block might be right there around the corner. On some other walls, ah, it might be okay. like two feet away from the corner. So, I mean, like if you get there and you can have the time to do that extra lap or if they have an open house, sometimes they'll do an open house on Friday night where you can go and play on the obstacles before the race. You can find out which Z-wall is the easiest. And uh-huh. even when you run up to the Z-walls, I always kind of look and see if, like if it's at a terrain where there's mountains, they might kind of be leaning to one side. And of course you want to get on the wall that's, you know, leaning 
That way you're not, (laughs) you know, you're not fighting gravity. Yeah. No, and I really, I mean, I wanted to, to be able to go scope it out. And I even thought about doing that race for that reason, but I was worried, you know, that I might get hurt or something. Not get injured, but, you know, get Tweet you know, something. if my grip strength kind of went, I got big blisters on my hands, or yeah. you know, or did you know trip and bang something up, and I wasn't. I, I figured, well, I'll just go in kind of blind and just see how it shakes out. And and then with the with the COVID stuff, like I I know they don't want people going hanging around, so yeah, you know, pretty much you show up thirty minutes before and you get ready and you go. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's what makes you know scoping out the course a lot tougher. I think. Yeah, and a, and another thing is is one thing we would always do if there's an open house is uh those the Hercules hoist. Like all those bags yep. are they're not they're not created equal. I mean, and those <laughs> sometimes those pulleys will be wore out at the top. So I mean, if yeah. you ever if you ever get a chance, just go through all those bags and just pull one up, and you'll see you'll be like, man, uh-huh. this one feels like it's twenty well, pounds. Well, and I heavier. noticed that in in Vermont at that. Spartan Games, they had just got that obstacle off the truck and they said it came from Iceland. Yeah. You know, at their <laughs> ultra championship and they had, it hadn't come off the truck until then. And some of those, almost most of the pulleys were just rusted like crazy. Oh, wow. And, so, you know, there was like two or three out of the whole thing that actually like pulled smoothly. <laughs> and it made a huge difference. Like you could barely move those bags yeah. with those rusted pulleys. <laughs> And, and sometimes, and you you can look up at the top of those pulleys, and you can see where they've they've accidentally put it, and the ropes are twisted to where, uh, like, when you pull it, the rope is actually pulling against itself when you pull it up. So, but and but of course, I mean, I'm sure you know that's a multiple attempt obstacle. So if you get to one that's like super heavy, you can go to a different one. Oh, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah. Same. I didn't know that once you got started, you could switch. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a multiple attempt obstacle. Uh, it's not considered okay. a fail until you give up and you can't hit the bell. Cool, that's good to know. And and the <laughs> yeah, rope climb is multiple think, oh, attempt. This is a real easy obstacle, and then you get in a jam, right? Yeah. Like, oh, plan Plan B. Yeah, and the rope climb. I want to say in two thousand and seventeen, towards the latter part of twenty seventeen they change the rope climb to where it's multiple attempt. I mean, all you got to do is hit the bell. Okay. And you can't uh-huh. kick it. <laughs> yep. Okay. They change that rule. No more kicking bells. Yeah, and, and back when I did it in 2011, they had knots in the rope. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, they got away with that. But they used to always have it over a water pit, too. So. <laughs> yep. I guess they wanted to get that liability out of the way. <laughs> So uh, yeah, but no, I had a lot of fun. It was, I mean, who doesn't like obstacle course racing, right? I mean, that's most people who grew up. That's I know my, my kids. That's what they did for fun. You know, like oh, let's build an obstacle course and let's race. You know. Yeah. And I saw so, you. Yeah. They got a good video clip of you coming down the back of the slip wall, and your legs slipped in between a couple of the rungs. Man, that looked like it hurt really bad. <laughs> I've got my leg propped up right now. <laughs> oh yeah, um, with a compression sock. Yeah, I, I I banged it up pretty good, but I think I'm okay. I, I think the knee joint's okay. It's just and there's a some crazy swelling. Yeah, immediately I had a big old golf ball sticking off my, you know, right below my knee, right where that tendon is, and so now I got swelling that's like moving down the leg, you know, pooling in, in big Oof. spots and stuff. So yeah, it looked like you raked your shin all the way course, down there. Right? <laughs> yeah, man, that looked bad. I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, I know that hurt. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was like, oh, shoot, what am I doing here? <laughs> well, yeah, because well, you know, they changed that obstacle, um, I want to say last year. It used to be an all wood obstacle and now it's all metal. So it used to have like two by fours that you would walk down on the back of it and you could catch that corner with your shoes all the way down. And I want to say it gripped a little bit better than that um, that metal does. Yeah, wet metal, not, not a fan. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you ended up placing seven, seventh, right? Uh, I think six. Six in the elite men there, yep. Man, that's a good, you know, that was, that was a really good work. You know, 
not being, you know, 100% familiar with this race and the obstacles, you know, and the in and outs of everything, man. Are you planning on doing any more races this year with Spartan? Yeah, I, w- I would like to. I really want to do the, the national series, and I think yeah. that, you know, getting that sprint out of the way, I think it, it'll go better just having some longer courses and having some, you know, I, I'm from the mountains, so right. I, I'd love to, to do a hilly course, and I know there's some real tough hilly courses on that that circuit still and yeah i'd love to do you know maybe four four races or so i think this year they you only have to count three for that national series is what i saw so i'd, I'd love to give it a go yeah and just see if i could improve a little bit well i know that big bear race in california is like a beast of elevation and got some really crazy downhills if it happens, you know, being California, uh, I think a lot of people are thinking it is not going to happen. But I want to say Utah yeah. is after that one. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. So, yeah, we'll see. There's two races in California that are next on the schedule. I'd love to get get some insight whether or not those are going to happen. But but I'm sure there'll be plenty, plenty of races to do. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to keep pursuing it and see if I could improve a little bit. Right, man. Josiah, man, you are like exactly what this sport needs, man. The way you just, I mean, you crushed this race. I mean, and the only thing that probably slowed you down was just transitions in and out of the obstacles, man. You get a few more races under your belt, man. I really think that you're going to do really well at these races. So I hope you stick with it, man. We would just love (laughs) to see just, you know, just having another person of your caliber and your experience there and being masters too, man. It's just awesome to watch. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it seems like a, like a, I mean, I know that the sport's got a huge following and, you know, the, the guys I'm racing against, there, there seems to be, you know, they're, they're pretty welcoming and, you know, a lot of, a lot of camaraderie at, at those races. So I'm looking forward to, to kind of mixing up with those guys again. Yeah. And I mean, the, the community to, you know, Spartan is just awesome anyway. Um, so What I wanted to ask you was, is since you've been to these big deal championship X-Terror races, how do you think that Spartan is doing handling professional competitive races? Do you think they're doing a good job? Do you think that there's anything that they could change to make it better for the sport? Um, I I think I'm, I'm too new to the sport to really make that kind of kind of judgment um but i mean just from what i've seen i i think you know they spartan has created a platform for these elite athletes to you know have the potential to make a living and and no not you know there's not going to be that many people that you know can make a living doing professional obstacle course racing but that's the same same is true in any yeah endurance sport you got to be the cream of the crop to make it but the potential is there the platform's there um nothing's going to be given to anybody right and so then you got to go out and and make it work for you and with the you know the way that professional racing is now in any sport um you know racing racing performance is number one still but then you gotta market yourself and make a name from yourself in other ways and spartan has this huge following that it is set up so that that is a possibility. And you, and you know, you know, guys that, that you interview all the time and, and women that you interview all the time that are doing that and have done that. And I think that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. You know, any sport that you can have a handful of men and women, you know, with equal payouts and equal opportunity to, to make a living doing something that's fun and exciting like that. I think that's a pretty special thing. Right. That's well said, man. So, Josiah, I know we're getting close to an hour here, but I always have some questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show pretty much. So, what I want to ask you is, is to this day, what has been your favorite race and why? Any race, anything. (laughs) Any race. Wow. Well, I would say the most kind of life-changing race that I had. I mean, outside of winning that, that Xterra World Championship, when I 
first moved to Vail, there was a snowshoe race, the North American Championship, and they had a big prize purse. And I, you know, totally new to that sport, and I came out on top in that race. And my wife and I, you know, were our second year in Vail, we had like $60 in our bank account. And that's the reason we were able to stay in the mountains and, and stay for another year. And now we've been here for, for 20 years and we've got three kids and they're growing up and we're, we're doing what we love to do. And, you know, it came back to winning that one race, which was kind of cool. Oh, wow, man. That was life. That, that was a life changing race then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It just kind of showed me like, oh, I can pursue, you know, big goals and, and do what I like to do and kind of find my niche doing cool stuff. That's awesome. Okay, so now I want the reverse of that question. Your least favorite race and why? <laughs> well, uh, least favorite race. Um, Deca Strong. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would. Ha- <laughs> if we look at those Spartan games, <laughs> probably the, the, the Deca Heavy. Right. I, I don't mind the, the Deca Strong is great, but Deca Heavy, not a big fan of that. Right. <laughs> it was pretty funny we're getting ready to do that and you know the 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 strength um coach that kind of developed that 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 product he's like okay you know what we're we're athletes and you know we're elite athletes and the elite athletes they lift heavy stuff you know and i was like oh we do oh shoot yeah (laughs) you've been doing it all wrong all these years like what have i been doing this whole time i'll go with that okay but hey, whenever I fail at something, I you know that's that's what motivate motivates me more than anything is like wow, like it's just a big slap in the face. Like this is where you are right now, and it doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up. But you got you got a weakness here, and you got something you can work on. Right. So my next question is: is you're coming into the weekend, and you have an endurance event you're going to do, or I'm or a sprint distance, you know, any event that you're coming into. It's Friday. What do you do on Friday to prepare for this event? What are you doing Saturday morning before the event? And what do you do after the event? Like, what is your race ritual that you always do? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, tapering into those events and, you know, not a big, long, drawn-out taper, but, you know, taking every, kind of respecting every race. So I'm not, I'm not training through you know, anything other than maybe a local race. If I'm traveling to a race and I'm going for, you know, the podium or going for the prize money, like I'm going to rest up going into that race. I'm going to do my best to get off my feet. And, you know, as a family man, I'm also not going to stress about the little stuff. You know, I've done enough races to know that, you know, if sleep gets screwed up the night before, like Mm -hmm. that's not a big deal. Um, You know, if kids want to go to the beach, you you go to the beach and, you, (laughs) you know, you sit in the shade and, you rest up and I, I make sure that I, I eat and I hydrate, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing more with more. So making sure that my carbohydrate stores are topped off, my electrolytes fluids are topped off and going into that race, well fed and re- well rested. So what's your go-to then, food? The same thing coming out of those races, coming out of those races, you know, again, respecting the race, knowing that that's, you know, at least at the very minimum, it's the hardest workout that you've had for that week, but most likely the hardest workout you've had in a month. And, and you got to rest a little bit coming out of that too. Right. So what would be like your go-to food that you would eat like the night before a race? So big fan of carving up. I mean, these are, these are endurance events and you got to have your carbohydrate stores topped off. So that's the focus of the meal. And I'm, you know, pretty traditional. My first choice would probably be a pasta and I, I don't mind, a little bit of gluten, um, you know, I don't shy away from weed. And so I, I'm trying to, you know, stick with familiar foods. Pasta works for me, but you know, rice, potatoes, any kind of starch. I try to have a variety of carbohydrates, um, throughout the day. Um, and then the, the morning of my go-to is usually some sort of oatmeal. Right. And just, I know that's something that works for me and I, it's easy to do when I travel. I can have, you know, I could do quick oats, I can do steel cut oats, uh, you know, there's lots of different choices and depending on where I'm at, you know, something as simple as a, a little packet of Quaker quick oats works just fine for me. Right. So 
is there any products that you swear by when it comes to racing? Well, I've for my almost my entire professional career, I've been sponsored by First Endurance line of products, and that's a company that makes um, supplements strictly for endurance athletes. So, like, there, I know that their electrolyte drink, you know, has clinically effective doses of you know sodium, potassium, and magnesium, calcium, everything that I need especially for the, those longer endurance events. And so trying to stick with the things that I know that I use in my training, I'm going to use my racing as well. Right. So are those like tablets that dissolve or is it already a pre-made So drink? they've got a line of products, but they're, you know, just talking about their sports drink, you know, they have a, just the powder, you know, like their drink mix powder. That's, you know, mostly carbohydrate and it's got electrolytes um, in it as well. It's just, you know, what you're going to be depleting. You're going to deplete fluids. You're going to deplete carbohydrates and electrolytes. And just knowing that you're putting back in some of what you're losing. Hmm. All right, so what is your least and favorite obstacle? (laughs) Right now, my least favorite is the tire flip, (laughs) i got to (laughs) say. And my most favorite... uh, you know, I, right now, you know, since I'm, I'm a newbie, um, and I'm, I'm learning technique on these things. I like, um, you know, some of those, I I don't know what the name for them is, but you know, the, like the, just the walls and the cargo nets and those things that are, you know, those, uh, what they call it, uh, the A-frame obligatory obstacles or, you know, the obstacles you, everybody's got to do and get through. Right. Um, that just, you know, they just require agility and, um, you know, trying not to break your rhythm and get through them quick and easy. But hopefully that'll change, you know. Hopefully I'll, I'll find an obstacle that can really challenge me. You know, and actually, I do actually like the heavy carries um, because hmm. I think that a lot of people think I wouldn't be good at those. Man, you I crush that bucket carry. Yeah, like the bucket carry. Um, I'd like to try some of those sandbag carries and, you know, some of those things. Because um, that, that elite field, you know, it's a lot of really good runners there too. And so... There's not a, a lot of, you know, big, strong guys that we're racing against. We're racing endurance athletes. And, right. And so I think in that playing field, carrying heavy stuff and running, you know, a decent pace, you know, with a heavy bucket, I'm, I can do pretty well at that. Now, did you make a practice spear before you come into this race, or did you just get really <laughs> lucky and nail no, it? No, I did not. No. Um, no, I haven't thrown a spear since 2011. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's winter here in Colorado, and I I focused on, since that, those Spartan games, I focused on just getting stronger, um, you know, working on my pull-ups, working on just my functional strength training, and now I want to get some obstacle proficiency. There you go. Well, Josiah, man, I'm all out of questions, man. Is there anything you want to plug, like sponsors, or how can people find your Instagram or whatever? Well, just, yeah, the, the best way to find me is, it's my first and last name. So Josiah Middaw is my my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter handles. And then look us up at middawcoaching.com if you have any questions. And I don't mind going back and forth just with uh, you know, just a few questions people have about just training in general. I also noticed on your uh, coaching website that you had a question on there for your favorite uh, flavor of ice cream. Are you a big ice cream fan? <laughs> I am always. Uh, no, yeah, that's just there to to show that you know. Although we we like to train scientifically, we you know we don't take ourselves too seriously either. You know, it's it's about having fun and and doing what you love. Yep, nothing wrong with a bowl of ice cream every now and then. That's right. Yeah, we, we work way too hard to, to be too strict about stuff. Right. We didn't even talk about Eco Challenge, so if you want to check out his adventure race, go to Amazon and watch the uh, Fiji Eco Challenge. It was a very cool episodes. I mean, a cool show. I watched all of it. It was really good. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Josiah, man. I really appreciate that you took the time to do this. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Josiah again for taking time to talk to us. Man, I really enjoyed this interview. And I thought it was super impressive what he did this past weekend at Jacksonville. You know, hasn't done a race since 2011. And then he comes onto the scene at a sprint, you know, VJ's wheelhouse, you know. 
you know, short and fast, and he owns almost half the race, you know, and once he, you know, kind of learns his transitions, getting in and out of these obstacles, this man's going to be badass, and I think he's really going to be a threat to the elite field once he gets some more experience under his belt. Um, if you haven't watched the Eco Challenge, you definitely need to go check that out on Amazon. I think it's like a year old now, but it's an adventure race, and it was super cool to watch. And Ryan Atkins also had a team that was on there as well, so definitely want to check it out. I want to say thank you to everybody that ran the Jacksonville race this past weekend, posting up your photos, posting up your videos, because it made me feel like I was there at the race. And seeing the terrain, and I was there in June, and this course just about did the same sprint course as the race in June. It was like I was there. So it, it was cool. I love seeing the video. Spartan did a great job on the men's race and the women's race. Um, I think the only place you can watch it is on the IG on their IG account. The red logo one, not the black logo one. So if you go to that one, go to their IG. Uh, I guess it's the little TV icon, but it it was they did a really good job. It was better than last year, so definitely want to check that out. Um, I will be at a Dirty Spokes race this weekend at Charleston Park coming up. So if you see me there, come up to me and say what's up. Um, I'm also going to be at Georgia Savage, which is coming up towards the end of this month. So I think I'm going to run competitive in the morning, and then we're going to have a fun lap and just do the blitz later. So looking forward to that race. Um, the weather's probably going to suck because every race that I've gone to this year, the weather has sucked. So you're welcome that I didn't go to Jacksonville because if I would went to Jacksonville, it probably would have been like 30 degrees and raining. So anyway... Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and uh, leave a review, and I'll read it. Got a couple of reviews for the over the past few months, so that's pretty cool. Uh, man, we'll see you at the next race. Later.